0: This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com, on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the radio show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us, it's a big show coming up. am going to speak to Stephen Grove, one of the uh, primary owners of Grove Cali Racing, or Kelly Grove Racing, I should say after their great win on the weekend with Andre Heimgartner. Stephen grove has been involved in uh, motor racing for a long, long time, especially through Porsche Carrera Cup and the like, so Qualsey uh, to catch up with him shortly. Also, we'll have a chat to Cameron Hill, who was uh, the winner of the Porsche Carrera Cup round at Taylor Bend this weekend as well. It was a big weekend of supercars. We'll wrap all that up with Mark Walker, myself, and Richard Quell a little bit later on the show. But let's have a look at the news. And this weekend's OTR Super Sprint at the Bend saw three different winners across the three races. First up was Andre Heimgartner on Saturday, who beat Chas Mostert to first place by four seconds, which was extremely impressive considering he received a five-second penalty. Then on Sunday, Anton De Pasquale and Cam Waters won races 10 and 11 respectively for the season, while Will Davison and Shane Van Gisbergen came in second across the two races as well. The weekend's action also marked a major milestone for Mark Winterbottom. Now, you know in supercars we all love a stat. So are you aware that you're
1: the first driver in Australian touring car history to have competed in 500
0: races consecutively?
1: Yeah, well, that's um, not a stat I knew. I wish you said I won 500 races straight, but, um, you yeah, know, it's good. It's, it's obviously uh, to be in the sport for a long time and um, have guys like Charlie still like you enough to employ you is a, a good thing.
0: So, um, yeah, we'll uh, keep finishing, keep getting starts and um, try and get results. News coming across the weekend, the Cali Grove Racing have shelved a plan to run a wildcard supercar entry later this year. The Ford squad currently building a new Mustang for Andre Heimgartner, which will debut later in the year. The extra set of wheels prompted the team to consider a wildcard program for later in the season, which was likely to be a third entry at the Bathurst 1000. In addition to Heimgartner and Dave Reynolds, the team have since shelved this plan to focus on their two primary entries. It's been tipped that Supercars end-of-season gala is set to return in December after a one-year hiatus. The Black Tie event, The best performances for the best performances across the season, including the drivers' championship, team championship, amongst others. There was debate surrounding whether it would go ahead this year. However, it looks set to take place on the Gold Coast at the conclusion of the 12th and final round of the season. To Formula One news, and Lewis Hamilton has pulled off a brilliant Spanish Grand Prix win after overcoming more than 20 seconds deficit to beat Max Verstappen to cruise to an almost 16-second win. Rounding out the podium was teammate Valtieri Bottas, a further 11 seconds behind Verstappen. The Red Bull driver reflecting on a good start and said he felt like a sitting duck at the end of the race. Yeah, start was good,
1: the initial uh, launch, and then yeah, got Lewis into turn one, and, and from there on, I just tried to you know manage my tyres on that first stint, but still, uh, yeah, it seemed like we just had a bit worse degradation compared to them. So we pitted, and uh, yeah, it was a bit, of, a bit of a miscommunication in the pit stop. Uh, I thought I had to pit that lap, but clearly it wasn't that lap. But luckily, the mechanics were still very quick to react with the tires. Um, yeah, and then from there onwards, on the mediums, uh, they clearly have more, more pace. I mean, you can push a bit harder on these tires uh, compared to the soft, and you could stay within one second, 1.2 seconds all the time. And uh, yeah, basically then of course they had a free stop behind and they took it and then uh, yeah, from there it was just a sitting duck to the end.
0: Mercedes took a surprise strategy which paid off by bringing Hamilton in for a second pit stop before he then hunted down the race leader at a rate of nearly two seconds a lap. Hamilton hailed the team's decision as a good gamble. Hamilton also reached an impressive milestone over the weekend, becoming the first world championship driver to claim 100 pole positions. Hamilton now sits on 94 points in the championship, 14 points clear of Verstappen and is comfortably clear of third place Bottas, who is on 47 points. Doubts are rising over the viability of the Turkish Grand Prix following the country being added to the United Kingdom's red list. According to the World Health Organization, there has been nearly 5 million confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Turkey since January 3rd, with over 42,000 deaths. A Formula One spokesman said, we're aware of the announcement made by the UK government regarding travel restrictions for Turkey and are assessing the situation and will provide more details in the coming day. The Turkish Grand Prix is planned for June 11th, the week after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, which was a response to the sport not being able to travel to Canada. One suggestion to try and push forward with the Turkish Grand Prix is to switch the dates with the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And Formula One has released much improved financial numbers for the first quarter of 2021, showing a good recovery from the effect of COVID on the sport. The pandemic meant that last year's first quarter generated only $39 million in total revenue. This year, though, that skyrocketed up to $180 million. MotoGP GP, title contender Fabio Cuadarrero has undergone surgery after an arm pump issue cost him massively in her length. At the Spanish Grand Prix, the Frenchman was leading and on the track for his third successive victory before the issue resulted in him failing to 13th by the end of the race. The surgery was successful and he says he's feeling fine. Jack Miller, following winning the Spanish Grand Prix, looks likely to earn himself a new contract with Ducati. Based on comments from sporting director Paolo Chiabati, Miller has been contracted uh, to a contracted Ducati driver for several years after spending three years with Parmac Racing and earning his call-up to the factory team this season. That's pretty much all the news you need to know. Let me hand it over to Richard Crail now, who has got a couple of great interviews for us. Crowell's This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Well, it
2: was a massive weekend at the OTR Super Sprint at the Bend Motorsport Park and an amazing story on Saturday with the first-time supercars race winner with a great backstory to go with it but the team owner got a first win as well and he joins us on the line stephen grove from kelly grove racing joins us welcome to the show mate and congratulations yeah appreciate it thanks for having me on um what a day what what's your feeling now as you look back at that amazing saturday where you got a pole position you led almost the whole way and a first up win for kelly grove racing with andre heimgartner
3: yeah, listen, it goes back to when we first started at the start of the year and you're starting to put you know new pieces on the car and you're starting to work through the car and sometimes that doesn't flow as quick. So the weather was really good to us in the sense that is pretty good in the wet and the setup really suited the bend and the wet. Um, so for to get our first pole was pretty exciting. It was pretty, uh, pretty dawning really there for the that, that last minute where you know, we had it for a while. So that was really exciting and it was really good for, for Andre. And then to convert that into a win and... And to have a real win, you know, a win that, that was really on merit, uh, had great pace, uh, was, was really good for the team. Real morale booster for us.
2: There was clearly potential within the squad when you got involved at the start of the year because they had some great results last year in that shortened season, but it was a bit hit or miss. Uh, did you expect a result like that to come so early into your tenure within the ownership of the team?
3: No, definitely not. I mean, we knew we had to work hard. For us, it's more about the team's championship because it gets us up the grid. So we always were planning for 2022. Um, you know, we're at the back of the, 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 the pit lane and that you lose a bit of time. Um, you know, it hurts you a bit sometimes under safety car and pit stops. And so for, as a team, our goal this year was just to try and get a couple more spots up the grid and try and get ready for 2022. But we've been working really hard to develop the car. We're in the process of building a new car. Um, so, uh, Andre should, which Andre will get, and he should roll out maybe Sydney, we're thinking at the moment. Um, so, we're still developing and investing and trying to get that right. So, um, but the result was a bit earlier than, than we, we really thought.
2: What do you think yourself and your son Brenton have brought into that organization since coming in? It's only been four rounds, but it does feel like a, a different race team with the fullest of respect to the Kellys who have who've done such a good job for so long. But what do you feel like you guys have contributed to this squad in, in a short space of time? Yeah, super the supercars team's really split across three things. There's the commercial side, getting the
3: commercial side, getting the infrastructure right. Then there's the day-to-day performance and, and trying to get everybody to you know pit stops. I mean, you can you can spend an enormous amount of money to try and get a couple of tents, but if you can get your pit stops quicker for and you pick up a second. And then there's the development of the cars and motors and gearboxes and, and, and all the stuff that we want to really, or mainly suspension. So we've split it now. So Todd really spends—he spends an spends enormous amount of time on the dyno. He's he's making new bits and away he goes. Brenton's very very good, very hands on. He's doing the operational stuff, the team performance debriefing, working with the drivers. I mean, the interesting part is on uh, on the weekend was the first top first weekend. The Brenton actually was driver coaching Andre, so it was a pretty good pretty good start for him. So. You has know, got enormous experience in, in racing, but more so from the technical side. So they he would sit with Andre after each session and work with him, and he works with the, the, the pit crew and, and that. And then I look after the commercial side, working with our sponsors and, and making sure we've got the right infrastructure and the right financial resources. So that's why it's worked so well, because we're split into three really different areas.
2: And it's a pretty good base, isn't it? I mean, the, the factory down in Brayside is incredible. It's one of the best in the sport. Um, you've got Penwright and Ned Whiskey, who, who from the outside look like two really engaged sponsors. We met the guys from Ned at the Adelaide 500 last year and they had enormous plans about how they were going to activate their sponsorship throughout the year. But obviously COVID struck and we couldn't do events and couldn't go drinking whiskey with those guys. But um, it looks like the the platform that you've got involved in is really, really solid. Yeah, I mean, it was really important for us.
3: N- Ned's an Australian company. I mean, wow, we got an Australian whiskey uh, following in his country. So, uh, you know, they're doing a, an outstanding job. Penrite's a family-owned business. that has been around, you know, 100 years of, the, you know, they're heading, toward, heading towards 100 years, nearly 100 years. Um, it's grown on our soil here, made on our soil here. And then you've obviously got the Callies and Groves, the two other family businesses. So that demographic of, of our supporters really fits, you know, our sponsorship
2: uh what's the what's the long-term future do you feel for the team I mean, is it just a gradual building process or are you throwing the kitchen sink at it what's the approach for the next six months and then moving moving forward
3: well we're certainly planning long term the, the investment for us is long term there's no question it's long term but we need to continually move up the grid we really want to win championships we want to, we want to ring teams championship, drivers championships but that takes nothing away from what everybody else is doing in pit lane. You know, it's a very, very competitive, one of the, I think most competitive series in the world. So our long-term goal is to do that. I mean, we are certainly there to try and win a championship uh, or two, um, but that's going to take time. You know, 2022, we'll continue to build, you know, our goals would really be 23, 24 Mm. to really make sure that we're we're in a place to really do a good job.
2: Well, I've had the good fortune of calling your racing since you started in Porsche gt three cup challenge, mate, a decade ago. Um, Were was supercars ever on the horizon for you? Was it part of the plan of your motor racing journey to get involved in a supercar team? No, that really only came a couple of years ago
3: where we sort of looked at, you know, we have an enormous as a family passion for motorsport. And, and, you know, I had some discussions with Brent, but maybe that was the next step for us. We wanted to keep racing. Brenton was pretty clear. He didn't want to make a career out of, uh, being a driver, he, he wanted to be more in the, you know, in the ownership or, or, or managing a team. So we sort of said to him, I sort of said, well, let's have a look at opportunities for 2022. And then the opportunity with with uh, the Kelly's come up and that was a great fit. So we we decided to go down that road. So we're pretty engaged now. I've, I've been learning really quickly you know, about how the process is, but it takes up a lot of our time, but we're very engaged and we're very, very committed to to trying to win. There's no question about that.
2: And do you keep the supercar side and your Carrera Cup and GT program separate, or is there a plan to bring them all under the same roof?
3: Currently, they're separate. We still run our GT and our Carrera separate. Um, my view is, um, as we move to the car of the future, uh, the car will, will be more, I think, um, getting drivers more from, from uh, Porsche, would you know from Carrera Cup, young kids coming through, as well as Super 2. But there's a real opportunity there. The cars will move around a bit more. Uh, under Gen 3, um, the racing will be greater. So we're just sort of trying to work out now, do we, we really want to – a key ingredient for me is developing drivers. That's that's something that's a real passion of mine. So whether we start to run a more, uh, you know, a, a two-car team in, in Career Cup and maybe try and bring people, through, you know, kids through there, whether we do Super 2, but we really want to try and get kids to come through um, so
2: we can develop them through the motorsport
3: journey and then, and then into supercars. Uh,
2: it's worth, uh, you mentioned Gen 3, Stephen, it's worth talking about the fact that you've come out of your your first big Gen 3 meeting yesterday. Um, I know you probably can't give away too many secrets, but what's the vibe and, and how's that process going for you, especially coming in as a new team owner to that element of the sport? Yeah, listen, Gen 3 is good. I mean, listen, it's, uh,
3: we, had, we did have a meeting yesterday. Um, everything's on track. Everyone's pretty aligned with where we're going, and and twenty twenty two is is where we'll roll out uh, a new car. But the exciting part is, you know, you've got the Camaro, the big Camaro. It's a, you know, it's it's a, it's a great looking car, but and you got the Mustang that's nice and sleek. So I'm super excited to get those two cars on the track and, and really start uh, racing. So yeah, everything was good. Everything's in,
2: in a good in a good spot. Do you feel like you're bringing fresh eyes to the paddock, uh, a new approach, both from a business and a sporting point of view? Yeah, it's a a fraction unique on our side. I mean, I think back and, you know, Andre, for
3: example, was my teammate uh, in 2013 in Career Cup. I mean, we we studied data together. I used to obviously grab his data or pinch his data all the time and look at it. And we have sort of evolved from there, but we, we hopefully bring some business skills to the table. We certainly bring some motor racing skills to the table and we understand the process and how it works. I understand from a driver how hard it is to win motorsport has more downs and ups it's just the way you can't win every race you can't win every session and we're all very competitive in nature so i think it gives me a better insight to work with the drivers and talk to the drivers and 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 understand that but also to understand the commercial side it needs to be
2: commercial i mean if it's not commercial it doesn't work long term Mm. um gt program how's that going solid weekend for you guys yeah, it's 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 a huge
3: step from not not in the ability to drive or speed. It's just a huge step in the way you drive a car. A cup car has mechanical grip, and you hustle it. Really, you hustle it around. You hustle it over curbs, and 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 you really got to hustle the car to get really high speed. In a GTK, you got to be smooth. You got to carry speed. You've got to trust the aero. Um, I think the difference in braking, for example, on a GT car is about twelve hundred psi. I mean, you you really, and you still there's still more there. I just can't break much past that mm. uh, in a, in a cup car, 800 PSI is it. So, you know, going from one to the other creates some issues, just trying to make sure you, you, you break, but the arrow I found at the bend. I mean, the bend is such an awesome, awesome uh, racetrack and it's, it's designed for fast, free flowing uh, commitment. If you make commitment, you're quick there. So, we, we were quite happy. We had a few issues with strategy from wet to dry tyres. But outside of that, the car, the Porsche is really good there. It does use its tyres a lot there, but it's a great car. And uh, I can't wait to go back there for the three hour because um, it's it's such a good event.
2: Yeah, it suits itself to GT racing. Uh, and more Bathurst 12 hours on the cards for you guys. You're the most successful team in the history of that race when it comes to victories. You've got five class wins on the mountains. So a return to Bathurst on the cards at some point. Yeah, definitely going back for
3: the 12-hour. I've been in discussion with Benny Barker. He's still, uh, you know, we've had such a long association um, and he'll come back and race with Brenton and I again and, and, and we'll push on. But, yeah, we're, we're certainly building towards that. That's, that's you know, the, my, my favourite race in the world.
2: Do, do you get Dave and Andre just sort of giving you a bit of a nudge going, hey, can we have a steer of the G3R, please?
3: Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, Ben had sort of thought that maybe Dave would or Andre would come and race with us because of the connection, but we're very committed to, you know, uh, he's such a great kid, Benny Barker, yeah. and, and I've already confirmed with him that, no, he'll be racing with us and we'll bring him over and, and away we go. I mean, I think he's done four or five of them now with us, maybe yeah. six, yep. somewhere in that order. You know, he's he's done a lot of racing with us. He's, he's super quick and he's just a great kid.
2: Uh, Last one, expectations for the rest of the year and from a supercars point of view with your team owner hat on, uh, what do you want to get out of the next six or seven rounds and where do you see yourself ending this year?
3: Well, I think for us, I mean, one of the things I look at, I mean, I certainly keep an eye on the driver's points, but I'm always looking at the team points to see if we can get some spots. So, you know, if we can get around that six mark, uh, you know, in the team's championship, that would suit us and move us up the grid. That would be a great expectation. Uh, The other big issue for us was just to get belief in the team, you know, try to get everybody, all of, all of the people that help us win from the people in the workshop to the people that travel with us uh, and, and try and get them to understand that we can win. You know, we, 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 we definitely can win and we proved that on the weekend. So we've jumped that hurdle and it's now just about building the team, building confidence uh, and getting that real, we can win attitude.
2: Mate, that's brilliant. It's so good to see. congratulations on the weekend and all the ongoing success, both in the paddock and the GT land and in Carrera Cup where you won the opening round of the, Pro-Am Championship, so some work to do there this year as well. Um, Thank you for your time. know you're a busy man. Appreciate it. Uh, Look forward to catching up at the next one. Anytime. Take care. Stephen Grove joining us on the grid. (laughs) Round two of Porsche Painted Dixon Carrera Cup Australia Championship was run at the Bend Motorsport Park at the weekend. It was an incredible weekend of racing. It had the highs and it had the lows and we'll attack them both with the man Who not only won the round, but has won three straight and has a hundred and sixteen point lead in the championship as well. His name is Cameron Hill, and he is in great form. Cameron, welcome to the show. Hey, Krause, thanks for having me. Pleasure, mate. Uh, Congratulations, hell of a weekend for you in South Australia.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, It was a great weekend for us. Um, You know, on Saturday we got a bit lucky. It was, you know, really sad to see so many cars get torn up and in that first race. But, you know, on Sunday we, we had a good car and we came under a lot of pressure. So um, it was really cool to get both wins.
2: Just walk me through the Saturday before race one, which was held in wet conditions. You had a wet qualifying session as well. So you needed to navigate that. Uh, Just, just walk me through those conditions and especially driving that place on the wet Michelin
1: yeah so heading into qualifying obviously was my first laps uh, at tail and in the wet so you know you're never quite sure what to expect but um was pleasantly surprised actually the the track had a lot of grip in the rain and and obviously the michelin wet was really great um and so just sort of built you know built my confidence up and you know diane my engineer he was giving me information as the session went on at one point i was p1 then p2 and i'm sort of thinking well that's pretty good. You know, I've probably got a bit up my sleeve, but he did also say, don't throw it off before I went out. So (laughs) to be P3, I was pretty happy. Um, Although, you know, Matt's lap to be seven tenths up the road, you know, that was, that was a pretty good lap. Mm.
2: Yeah. Who would have thought young Kiwis being fast in the rain would ever be? I know. How about it? (laughs) I know. Uh, And then, and then race one, uh, it's been well replayed. Lots of drama, six or seven cars involved in a, a pretty heavy start line crash. You were, clear of that did you have an indication of what was unfolding behind
0: of you
1: yeah so um obviously wet um wet start I was on the inside line which is the non-preferred line in in the rain and you know just had a terrible start but apparently everyone got bad starts because I was sort of like okay I haven't really lost any ground here and I was just sort of checking the mirror, holding my line to sort of see what was going on. And all I could see was two cars facing the complete wrong direction behind me. And I thought, oh, that's just not not going to end well at all. So, um, yeah, really sad to see all those cars get torn up on on the first lap and then on the restart as well. Um, So not much racing, which is not what we want
2: you were very uh, what's the word circumspect perhaps at the end of that race. I I think in, in not celebrating too much after what was a really, a really challenging affair, but it, I mean, it set your weekend up, didn't it? You were competitive, you were fast, you were quick through practice. So you were at the front of the field regardless, but it it just sort of, it set your weekend up that opportunity to clear the drama and race at the front of the field, didn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, the old saying is you make your luck. And, you know, we did have a good car. We qualified third. Um, and, and even in the rain, I, I sort of felt like I had a really good car underneath me. So, you know, yeah, we, we, we sort of lucked into that, that P1 position for Sunday, but um, you know, that's what you need in, in this championship. You know, you need to be fast and you need that little you know things to go your way. Um, and Cause you can just see that, there's there's ten guys there that they can all win the win the race on their day and and if you're at the other end of it it's really hard to get through. Yeah, what
2: was your your take on the contact with Cooper Murray and Matt Payne and what did you see of that up there at Turn One?
1: Well, it was very hard to see. I'll I'll, I'll say that I was um, fourth in queue on the restart and I was sitting in Aaron's Aaron's toe and just copping a whole heap of spray and I thought, okay, we've got. Three guys in front. They they all want to you know make something of it, and so I thought I'm just going to hang to the outside. And Aaron was trying to put the move on um, Matthew, and I I couldn't see who moved on who, but all I saw was the sort of wheel to wheel contact, and um, straight away that sort of set Matt's car sideways. And then reading it, I'm going, oh, Cooper's looking really not good here, and um, yeah, sort of yeah, couldn't, couldn't believe my luck a little bit, but, um, yeah, just had to get on with it too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the, the seas parted. So let's move to Sunday. Then, uh, 20 lap enduro cup race, one of the more intense career cup races we've had for a while. And that's saying something because we get plenty of them, um, 41 minutes and 40 odd seconds of you battling Harry Jones. Uh, what was it like from the driver's seat?
1: Yeah, it was really hard work. Um, it was probably about five or six laps in and, Um, we probably, you know, got our tire pressures, you know, a little bit wrong. And I thought, Oh no, I'm in for a long race here and, and credit to Harry. He, you know, he kept me honest the whole way. Um, and he didn't put a foot wrong. And I just knew it was really important to not make any mistakes to sort of let the door open. And, um, a couple of restarts. First restart sort of worked to my advantage because I could sort of cool my tires down and I actually got a really good jump, mm. um, which sort of took the pressure off for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I was I was a little bit angry. I was sort of shouting on the radio. I'm like, "Why is the safety car going 40 km per hour? No, keep speed up. I don't want to restart this second <laughs> restart." Um, so yeah, that second restart, Harry was a little bit um, sharper, and um, I had to had to cover into one. Um, but, you know, credit, you know, credit to him. We we went side by side twice in that race at the beginning and on the final restart. And, you know, we left each other racing room. And, um, yeah, it was really cool to hang on to it and grab the win. But, yeah, I was definitely feeling it at the end.
2: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. It, it was such an intense motor race. But you've got a bit of a knack of these longer distance races, mate, because you won the race at the Grand Prix uh, back in 2020, the last race we had that year. And then you won the long race at Sandown, and you've won this one. So from an Enduro Cup standpoint you guys have got it right and it was interesting I had a chat with your team manager after that race and he said you know what two or three years ago we would have just been having a massive swing at tyre pressures and car setup and things like that but now as a team we're experienced enough that we can actually go in making really smart decisions and and I think that's showing mate in the way that you and your team are performing especially in those longer races which is so hard to win when you've got tyre management and such a competitive field to look after.
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination of, you know, a million things. Um, it's been one hell of a journey from, you know, where, where we started as a team back in 2018. Um, you know, not really knowing a lot, but you know, through that, you sort of, you try everything and, and you actually get to really have a, a great deep understanding of the car and, and how to drive and how to get the most out of it. So, you know, I'm heading into the, to every race meeting this year, knowing that, you know, we've got a package that can win and, and, and even if it doesn't roll out of the truck, you know, super fast, you know, we we've got the tools to sort of, um, you know, to tune it up and and get it in the, in the window again. So, um, and, and yeah, I mean, as far as driving, it goes, you know, I, um, you know, I love the challenge and, and especially when, when the competition's so close, you know, I sort of thrive on that. So, Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it, it's it's starting to, to take shape this season and you know hopefully we can continue to keep producing strong results. It, it was uh
2: circumstances that meant you couldn't just take a, a, a bundle of cash and go and run with a Sonic or a McElray or or whoever that sort of pushed you down the direction of running your own car. And now you're the little single car team, taking it up to Sonic who had four cars on the weekend and McElroy have got four pro cars and wall racing. Who've got David wall and Craig Lowndes for crying out loud. So is there an added element of satisfaction from you that your little race team that you've built and your family's built are taking on these teams that have won career cup championships for 20 years?
1: Yeah. You know, we're, we're super proud of, of what we've done. Um, But you know, we, we never thought we couldn't do it. Hmm. um I mean maybe there was a couple of times you sort of going oh gee are we you know are we doing the right thing um but yeah, I, I sort of you know look back and, and sort of go wow, you know what we've what we've achieved is is really cool you know because um, the Macraes and, and Sonics they, they they're really really good teams and you know they they roll out you know really organized they've got good drivers, good engineers um, and and they're fast, they're hard to beat so, you know, now that we're, you know, I like to think we're definitely on a level playing field and in terms of, you know, when when we rock up, you know, we're there to win and, you know, they've got the stopwatch on us and, you know, they're looking at what we're doing. So, um, yeah, we've, we've come a long way and, um, yeah, we can, well, we're really proud of that.
2: You've got your own driving career to worry about, of course, but do you expand and, and with in mind that you've got a couple of Formula Fours to look after, you've had some Toyota 86s and things like that as well that your team has run, very successfully, do you look at expanding Cameron Hill racing into more Carrera Cup cars? Do you become a multi-car team where you've got a, a teammate or a young drivers you bring through? What's the the long-term plan?
1: I think never rule, never rule it out. Um, you know, we sort of made the decision a year or two ago, you know, while we were still learning and developing not to try, overstretch ourselves uh, and the team, you know, really try, do you know focus on doing a good job first um and you know the formula Ford team you know we're having a lot of success with that you know tom Sargent, he's currently leading the uh, vic state series and the national series as well And, and noah sands who's a rookie he's coming along really well he had his first race win in his um second second ever race meeting so um you know, there's definitely. I see a lot of scope for, for our team to, to grow because I sort of see that we've got all the all the ingredients there to you know to have a lot of success in in categories like Carrera Cup and, and Formula Ford. But I, I'm also just mindful. You know, I don't want to I don't want to grow too quick and then um, you know you know ha- take on too much. But mm. I, I think in, in you know the next sort of one two years, you know, we, we'll be able to bring on another car um and you know maybe maybe that will be in Carrera cup you never know
2: yeah Uh, i'm interested in your thoughts with with your formula Ford connections you're a champion of the category it's so fundamental in so many young drivers um careers in this part of the world in projecting them up through the ranks there's been some talk in the last couple of days and i understand some meetings between motorsport australia and some formula ford stakeholders to try and get them back under the roof i suppose and and re-energize the category at a national level um what's your take on those discussions and and where would you like to see formula ford move in this country in terms of of being that place for young drivers to to go and
1: race i think it's really positive that you know the conversations are are taking place you know I, i think that you know for the for the benefit of you know young drivers here in australia and and the category formula ford it would be great if you know we can be back on, you know, good terms with motorsport Australia and, and you know, try to get it some status with super license points. I think, you know, that's a really important thing for the category, but um, you know, I, I think they're some of the best racing cars you can drive to, to learn the fundamentals and the basics. And, and the great thing is there, there's a lot of technical freedom with them as well. So you, you learn how to set up a race car and and it's funny, you know, um, you know, I, I, we thought when, when we won the national championship back in 2015 that, know, we knew a lot about setting up race cars, but I can tell you now, after doing a few years of Carrera cup, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm calling back and we're we're on test days and, you know, we're trying stuff that, you know, we, we never were looking at before. And, and, Mm. you know, I think it shows because, you know, we've got some very fast cars in Formula Ford at the moment. So, um, it's really cool. Um, I enjoy the cars. I, I I jumped in one, I don't know, it was six months ago just to to shake a car down and I reckon I did 10 laps and went, Oh gee, that that was really hard. I (laughs) forgot how hard it was to drive (laughs) these. Um, you know, H pattern, um, dog box, and, you know, you, you really got to hustle them. So no, I think it's cool. And, and hopefully that, you know, from these discussions happening, we'll, we'll see the category continue to go from strength to strength.
2: A bunch of stars in Carrera Cup this year have come from Formula Ford and the teams in it as well. Uh, I'll leave you with this one, Cameron. I'd like your thoughts on this. So a little bit of history for you on the weekend with your third straight Carrera Cup round victory. Um, in the history of the one make championship in Australia, not that many drivers uh, have won three consecutive rounds. So I'm going to read some names out for you. Jackson Evans, who we all know quite well. Nick Foster's the same. Uh, Jim Richards, reasonably decent name in the history of Australian motor racing. Alex Davison, former Porsche factory driver, uh, and arguably the greatest Porsche one make racer of all time, Craig Baird. They are the only other drivers you are now in a group with to have won three consecutive rounds of the championship. Have you got your head around that little fact
1: yet? Yeah. I think when you just sort of read out the names again, you sort of go, yeah, okay. That's, um, that's a pretty impressive list <laughs> of names. You know, it doesn't feel right to have my name in there, but, um, no, it's really cool, um, to be, to be among some, you know, some really good drivers there. And, um, yeah, uh, hopefully we can, we can keep up the, the, the momentum here and, and see if we can get a fourth. Um, but, you know, we, we, we know that uh, Townsville was a, a strong track for some of our rivals, so we'll just have to see how we go.
2: It's an unbelievably competitive championship this year, mate. There are 15 pro cars, and like you said, there's probably 10 that can be realistically considered championship contenders. So you're right in the thick of it. You're leading by a, a big margin going into round three. Congratulations. Uh, awesome performance at the Bend. It's a delight to watch and looking forward to the next round. Cameron Hill, thanks for joining us. Thank you.
0: This is on the grid on mypodcasthouse.com.
2: Right, guests are done. Time for the panel and debrief the weekend that was at the OTR Super Sprint the Bend Motorsport Park and the supercars and everything going else uh, going on in the world. Joining me is Tony Shebecki. Hello, Shebeckster.
0: Oh, great to be on your program, Richard. <laughs> Thank
2: you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, now let's just get one thing straight. This was this was handballed, not. Uh, it certainly was. I appreciate
0: your help. Thank you, mate, very much. No, no, oh, good welcome. to be on. Yeah, it's going to be a, what a great weekend of racing.
2: It was a cracking weekend of racing, and Mark Walker spent it celebrating Mother's Day with the family. Hello, Mark Walker. I'm used to saying Shebexter, crazy, but I'll I'll have to reverse that this week. Sorry, Please. Your Highness. Uh,
4: how about that Ford Motor Company? One week needs parody. The next week have three different winners from three different teams. <laughs> Good old motorsport, hey? What a thing. So,
0: so I took the liberty of going to the dictionary and looking up the word parody and what it actually means. And the definition of parody has been changed to, I want my team to work bloody harder. <laughs> that's what I'm sure Cam Waters was saying a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about parity. He couldn't have been talking about the cars being different because I think we've seen this year that that's not really the case.
4: Well, the thing was... The last two tracks before the bend were triple-eight spec tracks. They've the always gone very well, Sandown and Simmons Plains. Yeah. Next up, we've got Winton's a track that they don't tend to go that well at. And it, really, Winton can be anyone's game. You look at the list of winners there over the years. If you turn up there on your day and you have a good one, you can get a win. Moth, Slade, you look at these guys from left field that you'd never pick for the win. They're all in the conversation come Winton. So Rick Kelly got a win there a few years ago against some really... Tough competition. So we'll roll up there next time and it's absolutely on for young and old.
0: Yeah. Was it Lee Holdsworth who was driving the Nissan for that very first win? Oh, well, he was in the Mercedes. He was in the, the Mercedes. so Mercedes, sorry, Mercedes yeah. for yes, that's right. For their win, yeah. Yeah. Another one.
2: But it yeah. was a cracking weekend, wasn't it? And and that's that's three from the last three now at the bend that's produced really compelling great motor racing and shock horror since they gave them a tire that, that works with the racetrack but it was it was bloody good the opening laps there are fairly intense though, aren't they boys like Ooh, in the, all the categories not just supercars stations, the sheep station's fairly decent in the opening lap of a supercar race at that place so Jeez. that
4: first race very good that was good good action there there was a lot of swapping of position and the wet weather really did mix it up but then that sunday morning race it, it that's going to be telling come the end of the year because van giz he, he didn't necessarily have the best of weekends but he just kept Picking off the points, you mm. know, had a seventh, a third, and a second. But it was just solid points all the way. But then you had Chaz, you had Waters, who came out of that with Blotto. And even Reynolds had dramas. Percat was in strife. It took out so many good runners there that that's going to be telling come the end of the year. And you look at Anton having his DNF in the final race. That's his third DNF for the season. You can't get away with that. Even if he goes on a tear now, he's so far behind the eight ball. Yeah, It's going to be hard for him to make it up. You're
2: Eleven are spot on. Eleven races in Shubacks, and he's got three DNFs. Having coming off the back of a second, a third, and then a first, so it was in decent touch and really, really building it all. Built towards that win in race two yeah. on the weekend, but then the DNF is just utterly crippling. You're right yeah. about the Van Gis, though. But uh, I mean, they were bang on about winning the round, which is relevant these days. But he did. He got the most points from the weekend, and that's how you win championships. Funnily enough, so when he's not dominating every race and streaking away at the front of the field, he's accumulating the points. Uh, it, it seems to me a very Jamie Winkup approach of winning championships, how he used to do it. Yeah, Remarkable stuff. But
0: uh, Talon Ben will be around that. We go back to at the end of the year, I think as a, nearly a line in the sand round for the championship, uh, the, the championship could have been decided in this round that we just had.
4: But then again, it was the round where DJR found their mojo. Mm. They had two fast cars for the first time in I can't remember how long. I mean, obviously, Fab's had his win there last year. But, you know, as an ongoing thing, DGR haven't looked this good in a long time. And they're 1-2 there on Sunday morning with Will having to hold off Van Giz, who was coming on the better tyres at the end of the race. That that was a really good drive. And both of those guys are going very well. and, And Willie's up there in the points too. Once again, just through consistency, getting it done, and he had a couple of podiums yeah. on the weekend. So that's that's a team on the rise. Who knows what they're capable of in the future?
0: Well, it we like was... nice to see the cameras of seven going into the garages. Two of DJR, I think, probably for the first time this year. The good doctor had a step at a peppony step, and it was just all happening. Well, he he
2: first ran back in God knows how long, and engineers the L one too.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Take the credit, I did. I bumped into ryan on sunday night in the welcome center he was checking out and um yeah i gave him a degree for that because he deserved it but um you know just rocks up and uh the thing the thing the mothership goes and uh and back to the kind of form they had mid last year when yeah. scotty was smoking everybody but um no he was justifiably happy with their weekend and you're right i mean could this be the go point for them you know three rounds in well, four rounds in, really, um, of of two new drivers getting up to speed and working with their engineers, and is, is that the weekend where it all clicked? Do they do that at every round from now on in? It's entirely a possibility with the quality that race team is. And remember, nothing's changed from last year. Just because Roger pencey has gone and Scott McLaughlin's gone, outside of that, it's the same group of people behind the scenes. So it was inevitable that they get back to some kind of good form. That the ominous thing is now that they've got two drivers doing the job very consistently as Mark touched on. So I think that's a, an absolutely a big point. I mean, is this the
4: round where Cam Waters tees off. They finally figured out on mm. a, a tire deck circuit to keep tires under it. You know, they're coming from two tracks that aren't terribly uh, dependent on tire wear and they roll up to the bend and they finally figure it out and and jagger win. Is that enough to give them the confidence moving forward? Cause that was a great battle with S- SVG in that last race. And he managed to come out on top.
0: Just is this also in. the round that, Teams actually find out that if you try and do something different, it might actually work. For so long, we've seen teams just follow the same old format and go in when other cars go in and do what they have to do. But all credit to BJR, they were shocking in qualifying for that first race. But keeping Percat out for such a long period of time and getting him into a position, even Hazelwood, I suppose, to an extent was there. Yeah. Dropped off. It- strategy it was just good that they played a strategy game
2: yeah but it it wasn't because they wanted to do something different it was because they had to do something different because they were so average in qualifying with that miscue whatever it was that went wrong with the team that they had they qualified last second last third last and fourth last so they had to do something drastic but but the fact that they could engineer that around mark and get nick into the top five and and not far off a podium that was enormous. That was a huge, huge performance from that team, which has had an absolute shocker of a year. But through all of that, Nick Percat's popped up in the top 10 in the championship again, mm. which is pretty remarkable stuff given how many times, for example, BJR's popped up in the race talk, not section of the power rankings.
4: But the thing on the weekend, because there's such a low probability of a safety car, you don't have to protect against that early safety car or a safety car at all. So you can run right until the end of the race like mm. they did with Percat on Saturday afternoon. Without that percentage of chance of there being a safety car, you can really race against that, and they use that to their advantage.
0: Is there a reason why we can't have wild cards? Uh, wild cards every race, running? Uh, cash. Yeah, probably. <laughs>
2: <'Cause>, <laughs> I listen, mean,
0: it is really because Tom Randall was fantastic.
2: Yeah, they've and, got and, a, and
0: added a level to it that. Yeah, I think they've got. A, wasn't too bad either.
2: The wild card. No, I, I thought Kurt did a pretty good job, actually. Yeah. Um and and WIU as a whole were were overly competitive across the board. And and Bryce Fullwood had his best weekend of the season so far with a sixth in the second race, which was his best best weekend. And and Kurt did a solid job. Thomas was outstanding. First um first wild card to grab a top ten finish since the wildcard sort of program happened. So really outstanding result for young Thomas. And it's inevitable that one of the two wrecks that have come the licenses that have come on the market for next year will go the way of Tickford and he'll be in one of them probably with Castro backing, which would be a great outcome for everybody. I think because we all want young Thomas in the championship. He's a super, super dude and yeah. a very, very good driver. Yeah. I, I like the wild card thing, but it, it's got to, um, it's got to add something to it. it. It's got to be a, an addition to the field and not just a, um, just a random addition into the grid.
0: Well, what about if we say then, what, have we got 10 teams in the championship? What about if we say that every team has to produce a wild card entry at least once? Oh, well, but it's a cash
2: thing, Shebex. You can't but
0: that's that's sharing the love. Yeah, but
2: but who's who's paying for it? If a team can afford to do it, they get a sponsor or a driver, great. But, you know, if you're Matt Stone and you're operating on a pretty slim budget, you're not just going to go and roll another car out just for... Just for fun, you it, it needs to mean something. It needs yeah, to. Be a hopefully, it doesn't matter next
0: year because we'll have the twenty-six cars on the yeah, grid. Exactly. anyway. And won't, yeah, correct. Exactly.
2: Having said that, I, at no point in the last two years have I gone, "Gee, I wish there were two more cars." So long as they're quality, it
0: doesn't got to be quality. matter. No, exactly. As long as they're quality, you're
2: right. Randall was a quality wild card, and yeah. Kostecki in a WAU card was a, a pretty quality wild card. I don't mind it.
4: Like I run some fairly serious insomnia, so I've been watching a few <laughs> of those old supercars rounds that they've put on YouTube lately, and there were so many field fillers. There were starting park entries back in the you know absolute prime time, two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five. There were starting parks out there. That's mm. not adding to the show. People get all up and about. Oh, there were thirty four cars. How good was it? It was rubbish. They didn't add to the conversation. They crashed. They broke down. They they were useless. Now we've got 24 26 quality cars i think that's probably a better outcome for the sport
0: yeah you're probably right and ford getting their 400th win Mighty yep. fine effort it was pointed out on twitter that holden did that some time ago
2: yeah they did but um ford are the ones still in throwing money at the sport so uh they de- <laughs> they deserve to celebrate it i think Yeah, great result. They're they're the only actively engaged manufacturer at the moment. it's worth noting um, GM special vehicles were very, very present on the weekend. Um, They worked with the Ben Motorsport Park to put on um, the Holden uh, parade on the weekend. There were more than 150 cars uh, traveled from the national motor museum in Birdwood to the track on Saturday, which was brilliant. And there was a parade that made the coverage. And then GMSV had their, the Corvette first Corvette in Australia. There and uh, old CL got to go and rag that. Um, did you ever chat to him about it? I did. My understanding was he was told, uh, just sort of 70 or 80% Craig, it was not 70 or 80% said. The narrator. No, else. no yeah. it was uh, very, very good to watch. Uh, yeah, cool thing, awesome looking race car. But there's some GMSV signage on the triple eight cars that's been popping around and changing this year. And on the weekend, it sported a Corvette logo, uh, it's had Camaro in the past, so uh. Clearly some deals being done there in Triple in Eight land with uh, with the introduction of Camaro coming in, uh, at this point,
0: 2022. Craig has no idea about 70 or 80%, has he? Was that also mentioned to him about a historic car at Bathurst a couple of years ago?
2: Uh, yes, it was.
4: Yeah. 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 Hey, you mentioned that Gen 3 2022. That's been a lot of the chat, and Richie were there Trackside on the Weekend involved in a lot of that chat. For me, I don't care. I don't think it matters. Does it matter?
2: What, if it happens or not?
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it does.
4: Uh, I I think it matters. People are getting emotional, but they're getting emotional about stick shift. They're getting emotional about this and that. Just.
2: Yeah, from a. It's not the end of the world. No, it's not. It's not. If, If the current formula ran for another year, I don't think it's the worst outcome. The only problem with that is that how long will Ford tolerate the current Mustang? when there's the opportunity to have a sexy road car looking one in there. Um, And do you want another year of, of the Commodore running around when it it, it sort of disappeared? Um, That's probably the main concern, but there's, there's so many politics involved. It's not a nice place to be at the, at the moment, the supercar paddock. There's some great little elements in it. I bumped into, the, the Kelly Grove guys after Andre's victory and, and we've heard from Stephen Grove on the show, uh, this, that's so cool. That's such a good story for the sport. Yeah. Um, and, and I think they can offer a different take on the Gen 3 argument because they're new to it with new ownership, with new eyes coming into an existing group of owners who have been bickering about the same stuff for decades in some respects. So um, yeah, it's pretty tense. It's pretty tense. Supercars put the statement out on Tuesday saying um, they've had their meeting. They had their big powwow in Sydney today and they're still on for a 2022 introduction. So they're working towards it.
0: Um, and this is why I think it is important that it does come out because if it doesn't now that they've thrown so many resources and they've thrown so much PR behind it, that it would be an absolute.
2: It'd be a bad look. That, I think that's be probably the look. biggest thing of it all. From a sporting yeah. point of view, it wouldn't change a thing. No,
0: exactly. But, I totally agree with you, Mark. If these cars stayed for another year, wouldn't have an issue, but, but from but, a look point of view, it would yeah. be bad for them. And and
2: what's more, other categories have done such a good job at rolling out new machinery. Um Gen the new Gen NASCAR rollout oh, has that, been
0: that Mustang impressive. that NASCAR Mustang. I don't mm. get too excited about looking at car photos, but that got me pretty happy.
2: And and look, that was delayed a year, but that was delayed a year due to COVID, not because of operational dramas. Um, and Gen three certainly isn't a isn't a COVID delay thing if it doesn't make 2022 it's a it's an operational issue
4: is the current mustang that fugly still like
2: oh, i don't when, when you first care. store it you just get used to it
4: I, i'm well, used to seeing it these days mm. on the racetrack like uh, it doesn't that initial shock that first uh camouflage mustang that they shot in the pit lane at qr it looked out of proportion and just wrong but it's been wobbling around racetracks now for a fair while and you just get used to seeing it it's mm. not it doesn't strike you as being that ugly anymore
2: I suppose the thing is, is is Ford, who, like we said, are the only brand tipping coin into the championship. I mean, they've got to have a say. Um, and and how far down the road do you go of of keeping your only manufacturer happy? That's probably the argument. But, We're not that, getting
0: I, a new manufacturer in next year, are we? It's, no, it's just not going no, no, no,
2: no. to happen. No, it would have been. It would have been to happen. No, I don't it doesn't think it, it doesn't need to happen you've got to get away from this whole manufacturing thing anyway this is a, a topic that we could bash on about for a long time um, it was a great weekend though boys um, being on the ground and the bend through the kitchen sink at that weekend um, event date certainly didn't work in their favor and the first wet day in Adelaide for a month uh, a, a sold out showdown at the Adelaide Oval and Mother's Day but um, no excuses really good crap over two days um, and positive vibes i think to move beyond the politics that are going on in south australia with the adelaide 500 and things like that to give supercars a permanent home out there at the bend and the show on track now is what it needs to be and they'll continue to build the off-track show to make it bigger and better but it actually felt like a major event for the first time i think in in five supercar rounds there
4: it goes back to how racetracks used to operate back in the day they'd Mm. have the one big event of the year that they'd trade off for the rest of it But getting those people out there who might be seeing the facility for the first time, see what it's all about, see that there's a go-kart track over there, get a feel for all the different things that are going on. They'll come back now during the year to the other events that are run. So uh, that's a good thing. You know, obviously it's not the Adelaide 500 and some people bashed on about the bridge and all that. Oh, they're stealing the
2: stuff. Oh, come on. Where else do you want motor racing infrastructure to go? (laughs) <laughs> this is my argument is that, you know, you've got millions of dollars worth of perfectly good full specification, safety and access motorsport gear sitting in a, a, a builder's yard in North Adelaide, um, gathering dust and rusting away that clearly the current government is not going to use. So what do you want to do with it? It may as well be used at a racetrack. It's good for the sport if it's used at a racetrack. And it is. So I, I think full credit to to the bend for for getting the deal done. And, but you know, the bridge looked great. It's a visual reference that the track needs because she's still pretty flat and featureless out there. So um, it gave another visual reference for it. It was great for spectators. That new infield area was genuinely very, very cool. I went for a walk there uh, during Career Cup practice on Friday and, and watched the cars through that 13, 14, 15, 16 complex. Really cool spectating. It's like Phillip Island. I really, really liked it
4: racetracks are built around a lot of this recycling of stuff you look at Bathurst Morgan Park they've pinched bridges from the Sydney Olympics yeah when there are no no need for them anymore but then you look at Adelaide 500 if labor get voted back into South Australia supercars own a heap of infrastructure themselves yeah They don't need to start from scratch this, nope. these all this stuff is still out there making new concrete walls isn't difficult it's an easy thing to do and quite often, the old barriers from the racetracks do get recycled back out into the system. They always are refreshing the walls and the facilities and the fences and stuff. So the stuff that is at Adelaide, it wouldn't be the original, it's definitely not the original stuff from 1985, but it would, would barely be the original stuff from 1999. So having these things recycled around the place isn't necessarily a bad thing.
2: No, the, the, the story about the infrastructure sell-off is a political story in, in Adelaide. It's a, a political talking point that the opposition and to are the, they're allowed to do this. And in some way it's actually good because it's kept motor racing in the press for six months, nonstop. Everyone's talking about car racing. That's great. We, we pull our hair out trying to get love in the advertiser or yeah. the, the telegraph or the Herald sun, but it pops up almost every day about this. And that's a good thing because it keeps it in the consciousness over here, which is great. Um, but yeah, you're right. There was a story in 2019 where the, Supercars team with IEDM who build the street circuits on their behalf, um, moved the entire Gold Coast pit building down to Newcastle to build the Newcastle track. Gold Coast event was late October. Newcastle event was late November, early December. So in four weeks, they moved that entire complex down and we were there having the Supercar Media Awards in a building that was on the Gold Coast four weeks earlier. So yep. there's no reason why any of that stuff couldn't pop over to South Australia and rebuild the Adelaide 500.
0: It, it's it's been going on for political. years. Yeah, Monica Oval's got the MCG's old scoreboard. Yes.
2: Yes. Well, Bathurst, the Bathurst bridges are from the city Olympics.
0: There you go. So
2: yeah, it's, um. although if you know where the Oran park bridge went, I'd like to find that. You were going to put that at Mello, weren't you? Yeah, I was. So I had plans for that, but it worked for Queensland raceway now. eh? (laughs) QR needs a bridge. Now Tony Quinn's going to take it over. That'd be brilliant. Uh, What else from the weekend you want to uh, discuss boys before we wrap wrap things up?
0: Well, not so much from the weekend, but we should mention and we should throw all our love and best wishes to a a good mate of ours. Neil Crompton uh, was announced on Tuesday that uh, he is suffering from prostate cancer and in a battle, with that, we know that John Bow has gone through exactly the same thing uh, over the last few months, and uh, yeah, it's just it's a sad one, isn't it? It is,
4: um, and it's hard because Neil Crompton's the best. He's the the best we've had in this country by a mm. country mile, and and you know we've all known him and and talked to him and you know worked in his circles at different times, and he's just a legend. Like he's the only guy I reckon in that paddock that I get a bit ooh, a bit, bit, fanboy about because it's Neil Crompton. And he, he's such a lovely man. He's got such awesome stories. He's, he's, he's just a great dude. And, and from a commentary perspective, I think the thing that I like is that when Neil Crompton's up on the rev limiter, it's because something is worthy of being up on the rev limiter about. Yeah, Like, remember Bathurst 2007, mm. like, Watch the leader. Yeah, that was that is the best bit of Bathurst commentary there has ever been. Um, that's my call. And what about the end of Bathurst 2014? Yeah, like They're literally out, out on his feet. Out yeah. on his feet. I remember going to Bathurst Airport that night, and he's pulled up next to me in the toilets. And I've never seen a more ragged commentator. He was absolutely oh. stuffed. How he flew his plane home that night, I have absolutely no idea. But he was absolutely belted. No so, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> she would have been flying in the dark that night. But, uh, you know, he puts his heart and soul into the sport.
2: He loves it. And we love him and we wish him all the best. Yep. Not much more I can add to that. Well said. Yeah. Big, big shock. Big shock. As it was when JB... And it's yes. uh, a couple of genuine, like both hall of Famers, legends of our game. So uh, yeah, everything, everything behind Neil, the sport will get behind him and uh, hopefully like it was for bow and has been for JB that the, the sport can be something of a tonic. And yeah. um, you know, he said he's going to keep, keep punching on and going arounds if he can. So um, the sport's been very good for Bowie this year and keeping his mental approach, right. Um, and you know what it's like boys, when you roll up at a racetrack, you, you, Take that deep breath of all the various, um, you know, tyre, fuel, engine warm up, old media yep. center, whatever it might be. And you just go, yeah, this is awesome. This is what it's supposed to be. It makes all the hard work worthwhile. So hopefully for Neil, that can be the same thing. Yeah. Um, exactly. yeah we, hey, uh, just very quickly, too,
0: what we should mention about the the weekend and social media actually got me quite surprised is that there was a fair bit of call about people wanting to scrap the the, uh, the sprint format. People got That's short great. memories, haven't they?
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, is this just look, grass is greener on the other side again, or? But is because... it? I don't know. I,
0: I didn't mind it. I, it didn't, I didn't have any it. issues. I didn't have any issues with it. <sighs> three yeah, great I... races, three great, three different winners. Uh, what do, What do you want?
2: Yeah, I, I don't know what people. I don't what know is... what fans want. Well, Five
0: hundred still... k's at the Bend is fantastic, and it's a, a, a good track for it. But I just think that I have no issues with what they're running.
4: I think it's about right. Um, you know, you look back over the years, it used to be three 20-minute races. What sort of value for money is that? It's none. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we're still running in this time where we're trying to save money. You know, we're trying to recoup our losses from last year because all the teams took an absolute pounding. Mm. And, and, you know, we're limiting so many things to try and save some cash. And, you know, one of them is the biggest expense in this sports, people, paying for people. And, you know, they're going on about the cost of these Gen 3 cars. Oh, you know, they're expensive or whatnot. But a $350,000 car versus a $700,000 car, you sack six of your staff and you it makes no difference. Yeah. Like, that's going to be the thing that's going to be the the difference going forward. It doesn't matter if the race are a little and, bit longer or shorter. It, it's it's going to be the gutting of the industry of sacking all these people. Sorry, I'm, I'm going off on a weird tangent
2: here. I, I must have my head but, or something. But, but, but the, the you point know. you're making, like, race teams will spend money, yeah, however they can spend it. Like Team Sydney has digital pit boarding at the back of their garage. Now, I reckon there's a list of things that they could probably spend their money better on, but but there you go. Like, And, and T8 has, has it as well, is digital pit signage and the, the pit walling and garages and things like that. Like, you know, if you can't spend your money on your race car, you're going to spend it on other rubbish stuff. So race, if you've got budget, people will spend it. Um. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, two years ago, everyone was going, oh, gee, it'd be nice to see some shorter sprint races, wouldn't it? And now now they're going, oh, gee, it'd be nice to see some longer races. I like, will. Yeah. Bathurst is coming. You'll get some. Townsville's coming. You'll, you'll have longer races there. So, you know.
4: But those races on the weekend, like I had my family around the whole time and I managed to sneak out for an hour, sneaky hour here. Oh, where's Mark? Oh, he's, he must be on the loo or something for an hour watching a sprint race. <laughs> it was perfect. That's about right.
2: Yeah, oh, exactly. exactly right. I, and I think. I think they're fine, and I think the TV ratings are proving that as well. Because you know Fox is up; um, it's a small margin. So they're average one hundred and thirty-five uh, thousand per race up from one hundred and thirty-three at the same time last year. But the streaming option has doubled their audience uh, in the last twelve months. So even with many, many more people watching on streaming, the actual linear TV audience has gone up. So clearly, it's rating well. Yeah. Um. And people are engaging with it, which is great. So. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with this format. No need to rush any changes. Let's get through the year. I, I think, if anything, you keep this format, but you bring back your 250k race with a pit stop for fuel um, on the Gold Coast or Adelaide or Newcastle or wherever. Um, that That's probably what I would look at. So you, you spread your formats out a little bit more over the year. But for Sandown, for Simmons Plains, for the Bend, for Winton especially... Short, sharp sprint races, you get a bit of tyre strategy, give them a right, the right tyre for the right track, which they finally were forced into last year, and it worked so well, and the product sells itself. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure what they're complaining about there. Neither am I. I'm done. Okay, good. Thank you. Mark?
4: Thank you, Richard. Thank you for commentating the Porsches on the weekend as well. That was a oh, bit yes. I, I
2: really look. enjoyed it. Did you get that impression?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah Saturday
2: yeah. was rubbish. Yeah. Don't get me oh, wrong. That was the worst Porsche race we've had. That was oh, horrible. It wasn't brilliant.
0: Oh,
1: <laughs> they it couldn't was...
4: get down the straight twice.
2: Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't great. It wasn't good. It wasn't great. Um, yeah, there was a little collective reset Sunday morning, <laughs> uh, and we delivered. Um, was there a uh,
0: was there a drivers briefing on Sunday morning? Yeah, it might have been. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> but look, didn't it deliver on Sunday though? The, that twenty lap race was just ridiculous, wasn't it? How good! It's just such a good product. No, no, thank. I enjoyed commentating. Hey,
0: and uh, the trucks weren't bad either.
2: Oh yeah, um, yeah, not terrible. Yeah, not terrible. Um, probably the the best version of
0: trucks that we've had for a long time. Apart from the jumpy ones, obviously, but
2: yeah, not not. I'm looking forward to seeing them at Winton. I think little short sharp track there, they'll be quite good. Um, made a few little teething dramas with the V8s, but certainly from a visual point of view, they look a million percent better. Down good. Watching from the side of the road. Yeah. Sliding but, around, good. Little wheels are a bit strange. but oh, well, um,
4: None of them did a turret in, yeah, well, so I mean, that was a good start. Yeah, no one rolled. So that was but a big, big tick. It Just give them more cars. I mean, that was the thing with the V8 Utes back in the day. They'd have 32 of them out there yeah. clattering into each other. Yeah. They'd just have a few more out there, fill the field, and
2: oh, be a it. bit more natural action with those guys. It's basically a full reboot, though. Like They've, they've gone control of the late what they had. So, um, and started from scratch. I think uh, chatting to one of the guys out there, I think they've sold 18 engines. So, um, that sounds positive. So hopefully as the year goes on, they can get that. And to be fair, supercars need it. They need another strong support category. Um, as long as your S5000s and TCRs and TCMs are doing their own thing in the ARG world, they need a, you know, a really strong ute category to go along with your career cup, your Toyotas and Super 2 slash 3. Um, to build that undercut out, I think, for sure.
0: And as we say goodbye, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one thing to remember. It is the month of May.
2: Oh, yes. Yes. Should we we try and get young Scott on at some point?
0: Well, we should try.
2: At the very least, uh, I I reckon we'll get young Hunter McElroy, who's doing great things in USF 2000, uh, Indy Pro, sorry, this year where he's right in the championship mix. Um, And he'll be racing at the Indy GP in the, the Road to Indy series. I think we should just have a have a crack at young Scotty.
0: If we can't get Scotty, let's try and get Matt Brabham to talk about the lead up to an Indy five hundred race as a driver.
2: Hey, Shebex, do you remember when we went to the Indy five hundred and watched Matt Brabham race the one
0: hundredth running? Yeah, (laughs) and I remember, but but I remember what it was like for him. That that was a hectic few days.
2: Do the listeners want to hear this? Yeah, they do. Again? Yeah. Uh, All right, boys. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to On The Grid this week. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you get your favourite podcasts from. Uh, And we'll do this all again next week. Bye for now.